Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs of medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. We have a little bit of executive changes that were unexpected, so I'm going to let Sean take it away and tell us what we'll talk about today. Yeah, well, for starters, today's news covers Procep Biorobotics FDA investigational device exemption for its aquablation therapy, Limflow's FDA approval for its ischemia treatment, Shockwave Medical appointing a former Abbott executive as its chief medical officer, Bausch & Lohm launching a $1.4 billion offering, and as you alluded to, the big news out of Orthofix as the company terminated three of its top executives with cause. So a lot to dive into there. So let's jump into the news from Procept Biorobotics first. Yeah, the company won FDA Investigational Device Exemption, or IDE, for its aquablation therapy for prostate cancer. It's a big step forward for what could potentially be a groundbreaking cancer treatment. So what is aquablation therapy and what's it used for? So it uses water jet resection to precisely eradicate prostate tissue to provide the potential for an effective cancer treatment while maintaining the patient's quality of life. It's image-guided, automated, heat-free, robotic-guided therapy that uses real-time ultrasound imaging to provide the surgeon with a multidimensional view of the prostate. It enables personalized treatment planning tailored to each patient's unique anatomy. Surgeons can specify the areas of the prostate to remove while preserving other certain anatomies around there. And once they map treatment plans, the automated robot removes the prostate tissue in a precise, targeted, and controlled fashion. So what does the company plan to do with this ID? The ID allows Procept to initiate a single-arm feasibility study for the prostate cancer therapy in the U.S., and they'll use data generated from that study to support future research and regulatory applications in the U.S. The company plans to enroll patients with localized prostate cancer across three centers in the country. The company says the study is taking place at the Keck Medical Center in California, the Perlmutter Cancer Center at NYU, and Mount Sinai Tisch Cancer Center in New York. So this all sounds like exciting news for the company. What are executives saying? CEO Riza Zadno said that it's a pivotal moment for the company, saying that they acknowledge the distinctive potential of the robotic system to address other urological indications, and the aim is to bolster the clinical evidence through the study and collaborate with some of the nation's foremost cancer physicians to do so. What's the next thing that we should know for today? The FDA approved Limflow's chronic limb-threatening ischemia, or CLTI, treatment could potentially save many people from life-changing amputations. So what is Limflow designed for? It's a TADV system or transcatheter arterialization of deep vein system that reestablishes blood flow in those deep veins. It treats no-option CLTI patients who exhausted all of the treatment methods to prevent amputation and the associated complications, as well as mortality and the deterioration of their quality of life. It's a minimally invasive system that bypasses blocked arteries in the leg and delivers oxygenated blood back to the foot through the veins. I know this technology generated a lot of excitement within our team. So how did the company win this approval? Well, approval followed positive data from the PROMISE-2 pivotal trial that was published earlier this year in March, I believe. Data demonstrated 66% amputation-free survival at six months with limb flow. It, that exceeded the FDA's performance goal with statistical significance as well, so clearly backed by the data. More than three-quarters of no-option CLTI patients kept their leg and experienced progressive wound healing, and many reported significant pain relief during the time following their treatment. So a lot of positive data clearly went into this regulatory win. And 
I'm sure executives and doctors are like are excited about this technology and the future of using it. Definitely. CEO Dan Rose said the company developed a novel way to make vein function as an artery with the goal of saving limbs and by doing that, saving lives. He thanked the FDA for their collaborative review process and said they look forward to introducing and expanding the use of lymph flow system in the U.S. Daniel Clare, the Promise 2-3 co-principal investigator, said using the new treatment, they've seen many patients whose limbs have been saved, whose pain has been reduced or resolved, and whose chronic wounds are healed or healing and can now look forward to happier and more active lives. Now let's jump into one of those executive changes that we mentioned at at the start. Yeah, Shockwave Medical picked former Abbott Vascular Executive Dr. Nick West as its next medical officer. Dr. West has been a staple at one of MedTech's biggest names, so it seems like a really good get for Shockwave, which is obviously a company that's been on the rise. So what is some of Dr. West's history, and when is he set to take on this new role? Well, he joins Shockwave having previously served as Chief Medical Officer and Divisional VP of Global Medical Affairs at Abbott Vascular for four years now. Before Abbott, he was an attending cardiologist in the UK, so he now joins as Associate Chief Medical Officer at Shockwave, but that marks the start of an eventual transition, so he currently reports to the now CMO, Dr. Keith Dawkins, but the intention is for West to succeed Dawkins in mid-2024. So Shockwave Medical, as you mentioned, is one of these companies that is really up and coming. I mean, in our big 100 list of the largest medical device companies in the world, Shockwave Medical grew its sales the most year over year, grew its sales over 100%. So can you tell us a little bit about what the company is doing? Yeah, and it's worth mentioning they also recently priced a $650 million offering. So they're looking for even more funding and definitely a company that's going in the right direction. But the company aims to transform the treatment of calcified cardiovascular disease, establishing a new standard of care for the interventional treatment of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Offers differentiated, proprietary, local delivery of sonic pressure waves for treating calcified plaque. It's a minimally invasive, easy-to-use, safe treatment that improves patient outcomes, modifying calcium while significantly reducing the risk of complications and makes procedures more predictable and efficient. What did executives have to say about his appointment? Well, Dawkins, the chief medical officer that West will eventually succeed, said that he brings a wealth of expertise in the interventional cardiology space. And having known Dr. West for many years, Dawkins said he's confident that his expertise will be highly influential in further developing the intravascular lithotripsy, or IVL, platform as a standard of care for calcium modification. And it'll also be a valued asset in the evaluation and development of novel transformational technologies to augment the company's portfolio in the years to come. What's the next thing that we should know for today? Bausch & Loam launched a $1.4 billion offering to finance its Zydra eyedrop buy. They don't always see numbers in the billions for these offerings, so this is definitely a big fundraising effort that the company's taking on. For sure. So why is the company issuing this offering? The company plans to offer the notes and enter into an incremental term loan facility with both moves aiming to support the financing of its pending acquisition of that Zydra product. The company expects to borrow $500 million in new term B loans under that facility in addition to the $1.4 billion brought in in the offering. And can you tell us a little bit about this acquisition that you mentioned? Yeah, the company agreed in June to buy the Zydra non-steroid eye drops and the rights to an associated delivery device from Novartis for $2.5 billion. Zydra has the approval to treat the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease, focusing on inflammation associated with dry eye. So it adds to Bausch & Loam's existing dry eye portfolio, which includes eye and contact lens drops, 
And yeah, the company felt that this buy would definitely supplement and improve its business. And what are some of the closing terms of this offering and the acquisition? Well, closing the loan facility remains contingent upon completing the acquisition. Bausch & Loam expects that to occur concurrently with the acquisition's closing at or around the end of this month. If the acquisition fails to take place on or prior to September 30th of next year, or other specified events don't occur, the escrow issuer will be required to redeem the notes at such a time that the redemption price equal to the principal amount of notes plus accrued and unpaid interest. And now let's talk about that last executive change that we mentioned. Yeah, the big one. Analysts have downgraded Orthofix. The stock was down more than 25% after the company terminated three executives with cause. Definitely surprising news is they've already named three interim replacements and have an ongoing search for permanent names for that those three positions. So tell us a little bit about these terminations. Like, Why did the board come to this decision? The Orthofix board's independent directors came to a unanimous decision to terminate Keith Valentine, John Bostinich, and Patrick Kieran, the CEO, CFO, and Chief Legal Officer, respectively. The board also requested that Valentine resign from his position on the board. The decision came following an investigation conducted by independent outside legal counsel. The independent directors directed and oversaw that investigation, and as a result, the board determined that each of the executives engaged in repeated inappropriate and offensive conduct. The conduct violated multiple code of conduct requirements and was inconsistent with the company's values and culture. Now, the company didn't really disclose more about what those violations were. Uh, the interim C CEO, Catherine Berzik, did say in a quote that the company doesn't condone harassing or inappropriate conduct or statements of any kind. So that may sort of tip the cap in one direction. But the company says the matters are unrelated to and do not impact its strategy, results of operations, or previously filed financial statements. So you mentioned that the company has already named some interim replacements. Who's coming aboard? Yeah, so as mentioned, Berzik, a MedTech veteran and the chair of Orthofix's board, is stepping in as interim CEO. Additionally, Jeffrey Gillespie, the VP and corporate controller, is now interim CFO. And Pooja Lika, the Senior Vice President and Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer, now moves into the position of Interim Chief Legal Officer as the board, as I mentioned earlier, plans to immediately begin a search for permanent successors. And what did analysts think about this shuffle? Well, they seemed blindsided by it, I'd say, and they hadn't really caught wind of what was evidently going on. They put out a note, at least BTIG analysts, I should say, put out a note downgrading Orthofix to neutral. They, they wrote that there's a lot to unpack here. They spoke with board members and interim management, and while they highlighted this was confined to personal matters and code of conduct and not specific to company financials, the analysts say it's hard to separate the public-facing management that investors knew well and the potential impact of business. They also said specifically that the termination of the CEO, Valentine, who was a well-known entity in the market, worries them in terms of business fallout. Interim management didn't reiterate guidance, and analysts say that throws further risk into a successful merger with C-Spine. So they did say it gives more ammunition to the adage that spine mergers are largely unsuccessful. The analysts did try and offer a you know, silver lining or a counter argument saying that buying Orthofix at this low point, riding out the storm and waiting for the mess to be cleaned up could be a strategy. But they say that competitors could also use the monumental change at Orthofix to win both market share and talent from the company. Interesting. And that was a fifth story. So thank you, Sean, for bringing us all this news. 
My pleasure. As always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. What about you, Sean? LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Thank you.